Hello, hello, this is Mr. Authentic838, and we're back with another episode of the Unpacking Podcast. And today, I bring Mr. Anthony B. Snelly back on the, you know, uh, podcast. And, uh, is it Smiley? Yes, sir. Okay, my bad, I think I said Smelly. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. (laughs) But... You know, my apologies, my apologies. Um, you know, the last time we had you on, you know, you was talking about your book and everything like that. Um, as far as that, man, everything everything seems to be going pretty smoothly. Is there anything you want to talk about as far as your book before we get started? Well, just to let you know that um, I finally got an agent to uh, take a book and put, uh, put it in a next level. So right now, everything is kind of like back to the drawing board as far as I'm concerned because um, I have to wait to see what she is going to do. So the first thing we're working on is the children's story. And then the next level would be the Prophecy of a Planet series. And that one is going to be a very exciting event. When that time comes, I will let you know. All right, all right, man. Congratulations, congratulations. Thank you much. Thank you much. Um, so, you know, Memorial Day is coming up, and I know you're a, a, a veteran, and, you know, we're memorializing, you know, all of our veterans over this weekend. I think that's Monday, right? Yes. Correct. All right, right, right. So, um, I want to under, I want to, you know, do a little deep dive as far as from a black man's perspective of uh, being in the military. Like, first off, you know, how was it? I mean, I know you can't really go into details, but I do, well, the reason why I want to talk about it is because I do hear from other, you know, people that would even consider going in the military and today's climate they feel like there's no there's no way they would fight for the fight for America when America doesn't really care too much about the black community. So I can understand that, you know. But I mean, with you already serving and I well already served and everything First off, how was it back then and, you know, your experience when it was when you were in the military at that time? Okay. All right. So, first of all, I came in in 1982, the summer of 1982. Right. And I went straight. I was into the Navy right out of high school. So I went straight into the Navy in 1982. Okay, hold on. Uh, was that the norm for? Was that normal for back in the day at that time? Oh yes. For people oh, to go yes. to, right into the military, why do you think people did it then like that? Well, because the jobs there weren't a whole lot of jobs out there at the time, mm-hmm. and most of the people that were in jobs were not leaving. So, to so a lot of people was getting high college education, right? 
There was one guy that I heard about. He had a what is it? A bachelor, bachelor's degree, an associate, yeah, an associate, a bachelor's degree. Okay, in engineering, and he ended up working in a high school as a janitor. Right. Because there weren't any openings for his for his background for what he went to school for. So what happened is a lot of guys you in order to get a job like that you had to relocate. Right. And a lot of guys had families. So it's kinda of hard to relocate with your family and relocate just for a job. Right. You understand? Right. So that was that was one problem. The next problem was you had the black white scenario. Right. You had a a white guy who finished college the same time you did, have the same degree, same time you do, but he would get picked before you do. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. So the only thing left was the under the, what what I used to call the the jobs nobody wanted, the underdog jobs. Right. You understand? Um, uh, driving a garbage truck or picking up garbage out the street. Um, washing cars, working in the gas station, um, just those little jobs that, the kind of job that when you was growing up, you say, that ain't for me. Right, you I would get the hand-me-down never, jobs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I went, I came to the conclusion, never say never, because I end up, I lost my job at one point, and I end up picking up, literally picking garbage um, separating um, metal from plastic. Right. Yeah, from head to toe, I was covered. Mm. I, I had to wear I had to wear a mask, so you didn't inhale the, the 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 trash that was coming in. Right. You know, but mm-hmm. it was a job. I had a family. I need to do what I need to do. Right. I understand. You understand? Yeah. Much respect. Right. So anyway. Um, back in 1982, right out of high school, I joined uh, the Navy. Mm-hmm. Went to boot camp, and what the recruiters didn't e- explain to you, explain to me at that time, was you didn't. If you don't know the kind of job that you want to get, you want you go in as a non-designated. Non-designated means that you you are walking in. To the military in the navy without a job. Right. So you, when you get in, that gives you the opportunity to pick the kind of job that you want to get. Right. However, it puts you behind the eight ball because anybody else that ha- came in with a job with um, an A school, B school, or C school, they have the opportunity to get advanced faster than you. Right. You understand? So I had to learn everything from scratch. Right. You understand? So I got into the Navy. I went into my squadron, which was an S3 community. And from there, I stayed in the, the live shack. Now, the live shack was basically you took care of the aircraft. We had a total of 10 aircraft we had to take care of. So you took care of the aircrafts. Mm-hmm. When 
I was in, at that point, the hierarchy, which was um, E4, E5, E6, E7, officer, chiefs, officers, and above. The majority were white. Right. And the prejudice was in the, the prejudice in the Navy was a lot stronger than all the other services. At least that was, that's what I saw. Right. Because in the Navy, if you were a uh, non-designated and you had an opportunity to go to a school, and I tried my best to go to certain schools, because I was non-designated, the guys that was designated got the schools before I did. Right. So I end up being in the background again. So everything that I got in the Navy, I realized that you got to fight for it. If you don't fight for it, you ain't going nowhere. Right. So the um, so my first four years in the Navy was kind of like again being pushed around when I wanted to go into my shop they didn't want me to go to my shop because I was non-designated and I had to pick a, a designation so I chose AT, aviation technician now an a, aviation technician their job working on the flight flight deck and on the flight line they took care of the major, um, most of the um, technical parts of an aircraft. Okay? Yeah. Um, have you ever watched any um, uh, movies where the aircraft is coming in? Yeah. At the, at the wheel, at the base of the aircraft at the wheel, you'll see like flashing lights, a red, a yellow, and a green? Yeah. Okay. That means that the aircraft is talking to the aircraft carrier, okay? And what that is doing is telling the aircraft whether it is safe to land or it's not safe to land. So you know it's kind of like the lights on traffic lights? Yes, it's the same kind of lights, but only where it's basically, it's the same lights as a traffic light and the same principle. Right. You have, you're clear to go, the, the red light on the traffic light tells you red means you stop and the other people have to arm the right away. Yellow means prepare to stop and green means go. Right. On a carrier, on an aircraft, the red means you cannot land, avoid landing. Right. Okay? Yellow means approach with caution, you prepare to either avoid the landing or it's okay to land. And green means a green light, I mean, start clear to land. Right. Okay? That kind of technology that is inside those aircrafts is the kind of technology that I work with. Right. Okay? Some of, them, some of the technology, I can't say what they are. Yeah, I understand. But they, yeah, because they are, it's like uh, top secret stuff. Right. You understand? Right. So, Anyway, so my my experience now when I was in the when I was in the Navy, we went out to sea. When we was out to sea, the majority of people that I saw that was high rankers was white. 
Right. It was highly, you, you might have saw one black officer in a squadron. In a squadron of 200, right. there was one black officer. You might see one black chief, and I said might, because that was very rare that um, um, an enlisted went from E1, E2, 3, 4, 5, all the way up to be chief. Right. And most of the uh, most of the blacks and other minorities, they they realize that you can't make it because it's either they make the way they were the testing, you weren't able to pick it up or something, and they would you they end up leaving the military. Right. Okay. So my scenario was um, I saw the prejudice that was going on. You couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. So I made myself, um, I put myself in a position where I knew everything. Right. You understand? There's a word for it, I'm trying to remember the word. So it worked with, it worked for, it worked for me and it worked against me. Right, because where some probably some people probably some people felt like you were a smart ass. No, 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 not really a smart ass. But where it, it worked for me where I was very valuable in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. You understand? When what? it came to working out, when it came to checking out, because um, as a plane captain, I had to inspect the aircraft. So that means that I had to go out and do a, it was it's three type of inspections. You had to do one of them was a daily inspection, a post flight inspection, which is a half an hour, and the other one was um, a pre flight inspection. So, a daily inspection would last, um, could last up to seven days, or unless the aircraft was flown within that time period. What that means is a daily inspection is I look at the aircraft from the tail to the front. Right. The wing, each wingspan. I am the person that will can actually ground an aircraft if I see something really bad within that aircraft. Right. So take a leak for instance. If something is leaking, no hydraulic leak, oil leak, if you count the leaks that it's dropping, so if it drops like one, two, three, four, five. So if you have like 10 drops in the span of less than a minute or a minute, that means that's a bad leak. Right. So when the engine is on, you're talking about a basically oil dump right there. Right. So the aircraft cannot fly. So I have to actually stand there and count how many drops. You have to know how many drops it will take an, uh, an oil to actually leave the oil tank of that aircraft. Right. So all that stuff I learned over the period of time. Right. So it made me very valuable because I had pilots that would come to me like one time my was um, the commander of my squadron came to me and he asked me one question. He said, 
if you was flying this aircraft, if you was me, and you're getting ready to fly the aircraft, would you fly it? I said, yes, sir. He said, that's all we need to know. He got into the aircraft, started her up, and they took off. Right. So your input in what the aircraft, because everything that happens to that aircraft, I am the first person to inspect it, to see it. Right. If something happens to that aircraft, where we had one aircraft where the uh, the aileron fell off and the, the crew, they almost died, but they were, the plane could only make left turns. Yeah, left turns. Okay? Yeah. So, which meant that they was up in the air and they had to do a left turn, um, all left, just to land. How you doing? Okay. So they had to do all left just to land. Dang. When the airplane landed, everything that was done to that aircraft within that 24-hour period, my name was attached to that aircraft. Right. I did the inspection. Everybody was, um, um, what do you call it? Was under, 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 um, they um, call it again when you go under a microscope yes mm -hmm. everybody has to go under a microscope that means you have to take a piss test you yeah. have to do a oral exam they ask you questions what did you do what is the what is, when did you when's the last time you had a drink what kind of drink was it um did you I need you to piss I need to give blood and I need to give hair samples alright yeah because you're talking about four lives that um, four guys that almost died. Right. You understand? Mm -hmm. So every little detail. When they did, and, they, and then they did the inspection on the aircraft, and what they found out was it was a microscopic crack in the aircraft. Right. Something that cannot be seen with the naked eye. Right. And that's what saved a lot of guys. That's crazy. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see that. Because, like I said, I was the first person involved in that. Right. But because it was a microscopic crack that was against the naked eye, they, they, everybody else, everybody was um, exonerated from that. That's good. That's good. You understand? Yeah. So, um, anytime an aircraft crashes, everybody that is involved with that aircraft or touched that aircraft within a 24-hour period. You are part of that um, uh, of that examination. That means that um, when they're doing a a breakdown, they right. want to know who touched it, why you touched it, when did you touch it, what did you do in the last twenty four hours? Were you drinking, smoking? What did you smoke? What did you drink? Right. Everything. So, you understand? Right. So um. That's, Go ahead, finish. No, I'm just saying, yeah. especially if, air, if somebody dies. Yeah. So, my, again, back to my experience, when I left, it was, the reason why I left was because I could not go up in rank because they were, they promoted the, the white counterparts faster than they promoted the black counterparts. Right, and you were doing there for four years, huh? And I was in there for four years at the beginning. Right. Okay. Um, 
a situation happened where a guy smacked me in the face. I, it would have been a very bad scenario, but a couple of guys was like, no, don't do that. Do it the right way. And I did. I wrote him up. And this guy was um, an E4. I was an E3 at the time. Right. So they said, do it the right way. I wrote him up. And because this guy was their um, altar boy, nothing happened. Right. It was thrown under the bush. And, yeah. and it sucks. I felt, go ahead. Yeah, it sucks, like, how, you know, even in the military... You know, you still get racially profiled and, you know, and then, you know, and the reason why, you know, I wanted to talk about this too was because if with everything that you faced over the years in the military, you know, for Memorial Day, how does that make you feel? You know, do you feel like it was worth a... Like, how does Memorial Day feel to make you feel? From right a, now? Yeah, from a military mindset and perspective. From everything okay. that you endured in the years you was in the military. All right. So, when I was in, okay, it was ju- it is, it's a job. Right. Just like anybody else. It's a job. So, you didn't look at it like, you know, oh, um... I'm going in the military to fight for my country, stuff like that. You just looked at it like, shit, I needed a job. Exactly. Okay, okay. And a lot of guys, when they went in, that's the way they look at it. They right. look at it as it's a job. Right now, what um, I, me, myself, I wanted, I'm adventurous. I wanted to adventure. I wanted to go out and explore the world. Right. I couldn't do it on a 95 living in New York City, Massachusetts, or wherever. I couldn't do that. So, the military gave me, I experienced more stuff. And by the time I was 21, okay, I did more than a lot of 21 years, 21 year old people my age. Right. I've been like halfway around the world at that point. Right. I've been to, I've been to places that I never would have been able to go gone if I had went to another I got a job somewhere. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it was an experience, an experience that I wanted to do. It was a job that I wanted to do. It gave me the opportunity to see the world. Right. In my twenty eight years in the military and this is not full service. It was active reserves and being um, called in back on active duty. Mm-hmm. I have been around the world twice, two and a, two and a half times. Right. I have been to places where people, I've been to Hawaii several times. Mm-hmm. I can stand right here and tell you where to go in Hawaii to do what you need to do. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. That's how often I've been to Hawaii. Been to the Philippines um, 
approximately the same amount of time. Mm. You understand? Mm-hmm. So, I've been places where people my age at that time thought about, dreamt about, but never had the opportunity to do it. Right. So, I would say, if you had that opportunity, would you take it? Would you do it? Back then, I would say yes. Right. Now, over the last four years, I cried. Right. Give me a minute. Yeah, okay. Take your time. Okay. It brought, it brought tears to my eyes because a lot of us, especially if you were minority, black, Chinese, Hispanic, a lot of us look at the United States. For me, I said to myself, what the hell did I risk my life for? I risked my life. I had buddies that died that never came home. You understand? Yeah, I'm definitely understand. We all died for this shit. What's going on? The division. We didn't... When we went to the service, when I went into the military, I went into the military, I didn't go in to serve my country. I went in because it was a job. Something that I wanted to do. Right. We We didn't look at it as... You want to end to serve your country. Right. You understand? Right. So, it was a different scenario. Even guys today, if you was to ask them, do um, do you serve your country? And the first thing they would probably say is, yeah, I served, but I didn't actually go in to serve my country. I went in because it was a good opportunity for me to do what I need to do to get to where I need to be. Right. Um, a couple of years ago, before the last four years, I was I had the opportunity to talk to a young gentleman who wanted to be a medic, and I told him the best medics that the military has is Navy medics. The best medics, right? Because they have the opportunity to learn from the best, right? Navy works with Marines, they work with the Air Force, they work with the Army. I mean, if you were to really dig deep down in a Navy medic, you will see that their expansion is wider than just being in the Navy. You understand? So I told him, dude, if that's what you want to do, go into the Navy. And then Get the get the experience and then come out or stay in or go to another branch because now you have the experience behind you. Right. You look at it like this. You get somebody who just finished school, high school. You're going to become a doctor. You go into the military and you become a doctor in the military. Right. You both do four years. 
that you needed to become a doctor, right? Mm -hmm. The difference between the four years is now the guy that is a civilian, he has to do certain things in order to get it on his record. Right. Okay? It might take him two years to, let's say, be to, to become a surgeon, just a regular surgeon. It might take him two years to become a surgeon. Right. Where the guy that went into the military, it took him one year. Because he probably because see more. Huh? He see more. Not just he see more, but you do you right. you're, you're, you're at a faster pace. Right. Now, the doctors that was in the desert with me, okay, they had to learn how to do things without the, some of the equipment that they needed to do. So a lot of the stuff that they did, you have to learn how to save a life with three or four people. You have to know which one you're going to save and which one you're not. Right. You understand? Mm -hmm. Civilians, they don't have that choice. Right. They have no choice but to try their best to save a life. You're looking, and this this is coming from a med, from a medic point of view. Right. A medic, a medic, they're out in the field with the unit, so you they have to know how to stop the the guy got shot in the leg. They have to know where the uh, pressure points are, how to save the guy's leg without him dying or so that he can come home with the leg. Right. So, and how to use a turnic um, and all that good jazz. Right. So they have to learn all of that stuff. So I told this guy, yeah, if you want to be a medic, the best ones is a Navy. Okay? If somebody wants to be any one of the services, just by looking at them, talking to them, I can basically guide them to tell them which service would be best for them. Right. You understand? Mm -hmm. The last four years really turned my stomach. Why would you say the last four years? Because it turned the entire United States upside down. It was, you did not, you weren't, it made, it made me feel that I bled for this country for no reason. Right. You understand? Mm -hmm. the, the the prejudice that came out and the whole world saw the United States, how deep the prejudice was. Where before it was subsurface. You just, it was a one person here, one person there, one person there. You understand? Right. And you can deal with it. But you're talking about every, like over 75 million people in the United States, and they are so blunt right now that if the division of the United States is so strong that I kind of feel sorry for Biden in a way, because he has to try to bring the United States back together. Right. You understand? Mm -hmm. Okay. The um, I can um, barely hear Jordan. you. Huh? 
I can barely hear you. you. Got something in the background? Yeah, there was a truck that just passed by. Oh, okay. Let me know if you can hear me. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, all right. So the George Floyd, the George um, Floyd. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The cop that died. The cop that um, killed him. If that cop had got off and they set him free the United States would have went to war with the United States. Right. And why do you say you know that? Because people were fed up. For sure. Literally. People were just fed up. It was it was enough. You know when you had enough is enough? Oh, yeah. And people were fed up. Literally. People, people, people were going to start acting like uh, Malcolm X. Exactly. <laughs> people were just fed up with everything. You understand? Mm-hmm. I definitely when agree. You get, when you get okay, now being a, being a, being at war, right? Mm-hmm. The uniform I wore puts my life in jeopardy every single time I put it on. Right. The being, when you what happened the last four years. It wasn't the uniform that put your life at jeopardy. It was the color of your skin. Right. You understand? Yeah, I completely understand. When I joined the military, when I joined the Navy, I didn't join the Navy to protect the color of my skin. I joined the Navy to protect the United States. Right. 100%. You understand? Yeah, I completely understand. The, la- the last four years split the United States. The United States was not united anymore. It was just the states. Yep. If you could understand what I'm, where I'm going. With yeah, this. I completely understand. Yep, I know. Go ahead. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, the being in the military back then, I was proud to do what I need, what I had to do. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. I served in the Navy, and then I served in the Air Force. I was proud to do what I do. I enjoyed it. Will I go back and do it again? Yes, I will. However, now there's stipulations. Okay. Am I doing it to help my fellow man? Or am I doing it because of to serve and to protect the United States? And that's sad. You understand? Yeah. So... You right now, I my I swore to protect the United States both foreign and domestic. Foreign or domestic. That means that I am um I am I'm trying to get that word. I am supposed to without a doubt. Right. If the United States got attacked by foreign people, my job is to step out there and stop the attack. Right, yep. You understand? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's the same thing with domestic. If, uh, um, if people decide to come and attack the United States, especially the wet, what happened in Washington, D.C., Right? Oh, yeah, the uh, 
the um from July was that January sixth? January sixth. Yeah. Okay. That put a lot of military guys in the middle. Right. And I'm gonna tell you why. Talk about it. Okay. If it goes in and out, it's because the car is on and I got the AC. Oh yeah, I, so I, I, I had to turn mine on too because shoot, it's starting to get a little so warm. Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, yeah, right, I can still so hear you. Well, I apologize, folks. Man, we it's hot out here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, and it's hot where I was too. So mm-hmm. I had to come inside to get a, just to get away from people. Right. Anyway, so um, you have the military, and you have a brother. You are a civilian. And you have a brother that is in the military. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, you have the commander-in-chief who is telling you that you have to go in wherever, where, no matter where in the United States, and stop people from rioting. Your brother, let's say you live in Texas, what? Right? Mm-hmm. Your brother is assigned, your brother's unit is assigned to go to Texas. What? All right? Now, you have a brother who lives in Texas, who lives, also lives in Texas. And within that unit, you have maybe 10 guys who actually grew up in Texas, who has family in Texas. Right, white, black, Chinese, whatever. But there, I'm just talking ten guys. Right, ten random right. guys. And these ten guys have to go to Texas to stop a riot. It just so happens that the families of these ten guys are in one of these riots. What is the military guy supposed to do? It's supposed to do what the president told him to do. However, do I stop my brother? Do I put my brother in handcuffs for something that he is doing because he believes it to be right? Right. Me as a military guy who is your brother who feels that yes, what you're doing is the right thing to do. Here go the dilemma. Because of uh, because I am in the military, I cannot think or do either side. Yeah. I have to do what I am told. My orders is to stop you from rioting or stop you from marching or whatever. Right. Do you understand? Yeah, I understand. How I do it and how the other 10 guys do it is entirely up to us. As a squadron, as a unit, our job is to go in and stop something from happening. 
that is the um, for the domestic part of the words foreign or domestic. Right. So we are as a as a domestic scenario, we are supposed to go in to try to stop whatever is happening from happening. Right. What happened January sixth, right? Mm-hmm. That failed. That did not happen. The military was held at bay while domestic foreigners, and I say domestic foreigners is because the building that they went in was a government building. The only person supposed to go into that building is people that are elected to go into that building. Mm -hmm. Or, you understand? Yeah, I get it. They are foreigners because they came from the outside and forced themselves into the building. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. Now, one of the reasons why they, I believe that they didn't put military guys there is because the police, police officers, they have the right to stop, arrest, and shoot if in danger. Right. Okay? Freeze or I'll shoot. Don't move, put your hands up in the air, put your head, go down on your knees, etc., etc. Okay? Yeah, I'm listening. Military, we will tell you, don't cross that line. If you cross the line, whatever happens, happens. Right. We're not, we're, if now, I'm not saying that they will shoot, but if you have a bunch of military guys in the line, you will have like five guys in a line standing side by side. Okay? Mm -hmm. Hands on your guns. Okay? You would have five guys standing in the back, guns drawn, ready to shoot. Right. That's the difference between the military and the civilian and the police officer where the police officers will be standing there with their hands on the gun the five in the front hands on the gun the five in the back hands on the gun military will stand the five in the front hands on their gun ready to pull five in the back arms locked and low ready to shoot so if anybody was to approach the first five in the front the military guys in the back will shoot. Right. You understand? No questions asked. Right. So, one of the reasons why I believe that they didn't do that is because the military would have shot first and then asked questions. And that would be wrong in the same sense because you're killing American citizens on American soil, right? Hello. That, now you understand where the military is in a, um, a catch-22. Mm-hmm. We're not supposed to shoot American citizens. We are supposed to serve and protect American citizens. Right. The Capitol building that they approached, that is a building that we are supposed to protect. Right. Because that's what we serve for. We serve to protect the Capitol building. Do you understand? Right. Now... The same people that we are supposed to serve and protect is the same people that is attacking what we swore to protect. Right. 
You understand? That's the, that's where I was saying before that it, everything changed for the military. Right. Everything. So um, between you and me and whoever's going to be listening, whenever something like that happens, okay, it falls on the shoulders of the admirals and the generals to decide what they want to do right. and how they want to do it. If a general decide to send his troops out and shoot anybody that comes within the perimeter, that's what they're supposed to do. Now, all of that falls, all that weight falls down on the captain or the commander of that particular unit. Right. He has the goal to shoot. He knows he has the goal to shoot. However, depending on what's happening. Now, if the, if the general says there's a lot of looting going on and a lot of killing, go to Detroit and stop it. Anybody coming, you have the right to shoot and kill. You understand? Mm-hmm. When the unit gets to Detroit and they're what we call um, boots on ground, that means that you are actually there. Yeah. Now, the commander of the unit has to go ahead to shoot. But when he gets there, he looks around and everything is peaceful. Everybody is marching in a peaceful manner. Right. Why am I going to shoot people to aggravate the situation? Right. You understand? So now you have a white commander with a majority of his troops are black. Mm. And he has to tell his troops to shoot the black people that is coming, that is marching. Right. Catch 22. Are the black guys going to listen to the commander or are they going to drop their weapons and let it and let it let it let the people walk by freely? Now, don't take, don't get it wrong. If the people walking by and they're walking by freely, and you get one a hole that decides that, yo, I'ma take my, I'ma take this guy's gun, or there's a female, a really short female, about five foot, mm-hmm. and this guy decides I'm gonna take her weapon. Okay, don't get it twisted. That five foot female will throw the guy and probably stick a knife in. Right. Really fast, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Because now you're turning her from a um, a person that is dormant and is just watching and paying attention to a person. You just turn. You just turn on her. You just push the right button. Now she becomes a killer. Hostile, right? Hostile. You're attacking now. My killing, my killing instinct kicks in. Right now, you understand. I get what you mean. So that is the problem with the military. That's why the military, a lot of the military, the generals and the admirals did not deploy military when people was asking for it. Right. We are supposed to protect and serve, regardless. That means we protect and serve. The, the whole United States not half of the United States so the last four years 
put a lot of military personnel in a very bad scenario. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. And not just the not just the um the guys that are active, but you also got the guys that are reserves. Right. Because I got a friend that was with um um the president at the time. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. But me and him, we still talk. Right. Like it was nothing. He he teases me about him. I tease him back. You understand? Right. Because when when um when it looked like he was going to win. He was calling me and said, yo, B, it looked like we got another four years of this guy. <laughs> what do you think? I told him to shut his ass. Right. When when um he lost, I called him and I said, yo, I guess your guy got kicked out. Huh? He was like, yeah, I guess the White House didn't like his ass too much. Right. Do you, do you understand? Yeah, I get it. We, because we're both military, because we're two different branches. He was in the Army, I was in the Navy and the Air Force. Mm-hmm. However, we got the camaraderie. We, we're from the old school. Right. We are not looking at it as a black-white thing. We're looking at it as a United States thing. Yeah. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So it really put um, a bad taste in my mouth to see how the commander-in-chief is trying to turn the United States against the United States. Right. And make it more of a black and white thing than a united that, thing. I, exactly. That's why the United the word United States, the word united, right now, and the last four years, the word united was completely out of the picture. Right. It was just America, the states. Right. That's the way I looked at it. Because he turned it into blue and red. Right. Blue states, red states. Yeah. It wasn't United States. Yeah. Do you understand? Oh, I definitely understand. That's what that command, our last commander-in-chief did. He completely turned this whole America into a war zone, right? And it would, and it would have been a very bloody war zone. And, and I, I definitely agree about what you're saying because, like I said, you know, it's different. Like you said earlier, you know, how you looked at the military and serving your country mm-hmm. back then, and serving your country now. The question I have now is. If you had your son wanted to serve the military now, would you let him do that? No. Right. And yeah. I completely understand. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't let my daughter neither. You know. Yeah. Not until. Not until things change and it comes back to the way it was. Man, that ain't. Do you understand? Right. Because you're looking. We're looking at um, the the president of the United States right now. It's only in for four years. Right. It's a good possibility that the same president that we kicked out can come back in at the end of this president's term. Right. For 2024. Hello. Mm-hmm. If 2024, if the people of the United States come together like what they did in 2020, 
and do the same thing in 2024 and keep this same president in power for another eight years, then things will really start to come back to the way it was. Right. Because that's what this president is trying to do. I understand, and a lot of people are kind of like, well, he's, he's not like this, and he's this, and he's that, and you know, you know listen, this man, imagine you as the head of a household, okay? Mm-hmm. And you just inherited a mansion. Right. However, the mansion is in disarray. Parts of the roof fell in. There's no doors. You ain't got no windows. Everybody threw rocks into it. Right. You got animals living in your mansion. Right? Yep. So now you have to come up with the money to fix this place. Yep, to fix up what was messed and up. You got to fix something that was that was completely destroyed. Right. You understand? And you know so, what? And there are some people that still like it a disarray. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But see, the, those, but you got to understand, those people that like it in disarray, <laughs> if that if that guy ever was to come back, this country would go to war with each other. Right. For sure. For sure. For sure. 100%. Because people are definitely getting fed up. People are getting fed up. Right. And it's... But, but you, have, you also have to look at the United States allies. Great Britain. Uh, France, Germany, China, Italy. Do you understand? Yeah. This man, this man is a friend of Russia. All oh, these yeah. other countries are not. Right. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Now, this man, he was really my interpretation of what was going on. It's he was pushing for a civil war in this country. Let, let me finish before you say a word. Okay. 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 This is what, this is what, from a military point of view. Okay. This is what I was seeing. He was pushing for a civil war. Knowing that he cannot put U.S. troops in the United States to attack U.S. citizens. What? He would have to get foreign help. And you saying he might get Russia? Hello. This way, Russia can walk right into the United States without firing a single weapon. I mean, Russia, I can't say you're wrong because I mean, I don't, I don't really know. It's possible, you know. No, well, yeah. The, the one, one thing that Russia, Russia has more equipment than the United States. Right. The difference is the United States know how to use their shit. Right. Russia, they know how to use it, but they they don't have um, supplies. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. One of our aircrafts, the F-14, CAT, the CAT, the Tomcat, okay? Well, hold on, hold on, aircraft, hold on, Pop. Hold on. Yeah. Because we got to start wrapping this up. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, no, 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 you're good. So, ultimately, you know, what I want to get back to is yeah. Memorial Day for you in the last four years wasn't nothing to celebrate, basically. No, it wasn't. Right. 
I, you know? I did not celebrate it at all. I just, and for me, it was just another day. Right. And right. even this Memorial Day, I really, everybody's saying it was Memorial Day, and I really am not memorialized. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel it. To me, it's just another day for people to shoot guns, fire fireworks, and um, barbecue. Now let me ask you: Do you not? Do you feel that way because of the situation or because of your race? The situation. Mm-hmm. Before the four years, it was yeah. a situation. Right. You understand? Right. Because you weren't really celebrating memorial. Memorial is just celebrating those that Past. never came home. Right. You understand? Mm-hmm. But. The United States made it look like have a time to drink, party. Yeah, drink, party, and have a good time. But at one point, you have to give celebration or hold everything and say, let's take a minute to recognize those that never came home. Mm -hmm. You don't really see a lot of that. Right. Now, after the four years, now it's even worse. Right. Because... You're looking at people who are not going to celebrate um, the uh, the military because they got blacks in there. Yep. Black people died. I ain't celebrating that. Yep, that's true. You, you understand? Yeah. So I'm not going to celebrate the uh, military because they got blacks in the military. They got blacks in the, in, the, in the navy. They got blacks in the service. They got blacks over here. Uh, why should I celebrate something that got black people in? Yep, they turned it into a racial thing. They turn it into a racial thing. Do you understand? So it's not really a holiday. It's just another day that people can get together and have a barbecue. Have a couple of drinks and shoot off their guns and throw some fireworks. That's how how I see it. I really really don't see it as anything anymore. Veterans Day, it's just a day for us to go out and have free meals. Right. You understand? Yeah. When 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 vets get together, when military guys get together, it's a different feeling. Right. It really is. We talk differently. We talk politics. We talk black, white. We talk all kind of shit. We do talk, but we don't. We if we say something, we say it off off our, you know we get it off our chest, and then we apologize. said folks this is the unpacking podcast um happy memorial day um happy memorial day yeah and i just hope that everybody has a safe memorial day and you know memorialize the veterans and the people that have passed you know take this you know holiday a lot more serious than just partying it up you know and um 
if you like what we had going on and what we're talking about, that's good. If you didn't like it, okay, that's good too. I mean, this is the Unpacking Podcast, and today we've unpacked.